Welcome to the City Park Church Podcast. We are changing the culture of the city through the message of hope. Please share at cityparkchurch.com how God has touched your life through our messages. Thank you for listening. Uh, Josh and Holly Reed, give them a big hand this morning. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Half a year good, half a year asleep. Uh, we're super excited. Okay, good. We got a little more. All right. Well, uh, we're super excited. Uh, yeah, we've got some big things going on in our life. Uh, if you haven't seen Titus, he'll be around. He's, He's cute. We don't know where he got it from, though. We can't figure that out. It's all you, babe. It's all you. <laughs> Hopefully, he's sleeping right now. So... All right, well, uh, we're going to jump in. I'm going to pray and uh, see where the Lord takes us today. Jesus, we just thank you uh, that you pursue us, God. We thank you that, that you came down as a man because you wanted relationship with us. Uh, we thank you that about 2,000 years ago today that you, you came in on a donkey, knowing that you were headed towards the cross but excited because you knew the victory that was in store. And so, God, we just ask you uh, to come inhabit us today, to come walk among us, to, to move among us, Lord. Let us feel your presence. Amen. Amen. I might sit, I might stand, we'll see. I'm kind of tired. <laughs> um, Josh and I are going to tag team um, back and forth. We like to do that. It's pretty fun. Um, so today we just want to, one of the things that Josh and I really stand for is freedom. And um, we want to just go after some freedom today. We want to talk about what freedom has looked like in our lives and, um, and what we've learned about freedom in the past, in our life, I guess. Um, and one of the things recently, in the last couple of months, I've been kind of talking to God about, asking myself about, is why is it that one person can read a verse in the Bible and it brings them freedom in life, and another person can read the same verse and it brings them bondage? Or why does one person sitting in church why are they super excited and everything that's preached is like, amen, hallelujah, glory to God. And the person next to them feels in bondage. And it's the same sermon. And I've been asking God about this because I, I even have friends that will say that. They'll be like, that was amazing. And be like, oh, that felt like this, you know, or whatever. And, um, and I've just asked myself, why is it? It's the same message, you know. And... I've realized a lot of it has to do not with the sermon or not with the Bible or not even with God. It has to do with our hearts. And there are principles in the Bible, and we've hit on it. Pastor Rob hit on this. Like, you'll hear a truth for 20 years, and then one day it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, I've never heard this before. I did that to them many times. <laughs> and they're like, we've told you that for, like, 10 years. Um, <laughs> But it's like, I think what happens um, is we look at different things and we hear different things. And sometimes when we hear them, because of where we're at in our lives, it can feel like bondage. It can feel like law. It can feel like a rule. And it can feel like constricting. And someone next to us is like, oh, that brings me so much life. And I think the difference is, is the heart behind it, like the heart of God behind it. And whether you capture that heart or you, or you, or you don't. Um, and when I, when I was talking about this, even with Josh and I was listening to what Ben was saying and in the song we sang about going back to the heart of worship, a lot of times we think of God pursuing our hearts, but there's this place too, where we go and pursue God's heart. Cause we can look like we can look at scripture and go, Oh, it's a bunch of rules. It's all this, it's all that. But then we miss the heart behind the whole thing. And we miss the person, the author behind the scriptures. 
And we look at principles in the Bible like um, tithing, for example. So I'm going to tell you a little story about my journey. I grew up kind of thinking about tithing, thinking about going to church. It's just something you do. You just do. You go to church on Sunday. You give 10% of your income. Like, it's what you do, you know, kind of almost like a robot. Like, I am at church. I will give my 10%. This is what I do. Wait, wait, wait. What was that? I'm not doing it again. You missed it. You missed it. <laughs> you only get it one chance. Okay. So, and um, when, I, when I left here and I, I went to Reading, I, I was very much about the principles of the Word of God. Like, you sow, you reap. You sow, you reap. Good fruit, bad fruit. Like, this is what it is. And I had this one, like, guy that kind of became a spiritual dad to me, and he's like, it's all about relationship. And he'd say that to me over and over again. And I'd be like, stop saying that. I don't even know what that means. Like, <laughs> just stop telling me that. And I was like, because you, you sow a, a seed for an apple tree, you get apples. Like, th- this is what I know. And I just kind of, the way my brain works, I'm very logical. So everything I hear, I just kind of turn into a formula. Like, two plus two equals four. This is how the world works. This is how I feel good about the world. <laughs> you know? This is how I feel safe. And... And he just blew that all up. He's like, it's all about relationship. I was like, but there are principles, and they are. And there are principles in this book that are true today, as true today as the day they were written. But there's a heart behind it, too. You want to go? Yeah. You know, this isn't actually a new thing. This actually happened in the history of the Israelites. You see, when, the, when God took the Israelites out of Egypt, he took them to Mount Sinai. And the whole point of taking them to Mount Sinai was to actually for relationship. Because at, at, they could have gone straight to the promised land. would have taken them about 11 days. But God said, come to the mountain first to worship. And at that mountain was where he was going to begin to talk, what does it look like to live in relationship with me? And uh, in Exodus 20, or... I think it starts in 19. Um, do, do, do. I will find you. Ah, here we are. It's actually in, in 20. So they come to the mountain. And, and God's, God's getting ready to give them the law. That's where they get the law that we read in Leviticus and Numbers and Exodus. And we read through that and we start to snore. And... But what's so powerful in that, in that moment is he's saying, this is what relationship with me looks like. And, and we read that and we go, here's a list of rules, here's a list of laws. And really are what they are, they're guidelines to say, this is how you engage with me. But something interesting happened in, in verse 18 of, of chapter 20. It says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. And so that began this relationship with the Israelites where God spoke to them through a prophet. But that was never God's heart. The reason he came down in the form of a man was because I, need to, I want to restore relationship with you. Because what had happened is they trembled in fear because of who they were. See, see they grew up being slaves. They didn't know how to interact with a powerful being because all they knew was slavery. And so what happened is they see this powerful God and they miss his heart and go, Oh, he's so powerful, I'm afraid. Because that's what I'm used to. And when we, inter- and we go through our own lives interacting with people in that way, we, per- we, we see them through a lens and we go, Oh, you're probably doing this. When in reality, that was never their heart. And so Jesus came down to remove that lens and to restore that relationship. Yeah, so part of what happened with me when I was um, down in school, I went to Bible school, and everyone's super passionate. I was super passionate. I get through first year, get into second year, and I start, like, really kind of 
digging through all the truths that I learned in, in first year and through my life and trying to kind of make sense of it all because it felt like I almost got taught a completely different God than I knew before. And really it was just I learned a new facet about God that I didn't know before. And, and so I started to be like, well, what would happen? And I started to learn about freedom. And I'm like, okay, so God's going to love me no matter what I do, like anything. And people are like, yeah, he'll love you no matter what. I'm like, like I could do anything and he'll still love me. And they're like, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to test this out a little bit. I do not recommend this. <laughs> but I, I was like, I need to spread my wings because my whole life, it was like I followed the rules. I, did, I tried to do everything exactly how I was taught and follow the rules because I hate getting in trouble. And I'm pretty sure everybody knows everything wrong I've ever done before I know that I've done something wrong. Like, that's how I grew up. Like, don't do anything bad or someone's going to, like, call you out, you know, kind of thing. We used to think of prophets like that. Like, they just come in church and be like, you sinned here, you did this, you did that. I was, like, so afraid of prophets. I was like, please don't talk to me. So, (laughs) um, but I was like, okay. But seriously, it was scary. Um, So, that's how I lived my life. Like, super scared. Like, a scaredy cat. Like, really. I was just scared all the time. And I just wanted to look perfect and look like I had it all together. And then, um, so I was like, I'm going to experiment. I'm I'm going to try and live out this freedom thing that I can do. And God let me. He'll let you do that, by the way. He's, like, that good. He'll let you go, like, destroy your life. It's great. So (laughs) I didn't really destroy my life. But I was like, I'm going to see how far I can go. And when will the lightning strike me? You know, Ananias and Sapphira. Like, I was like... That's got to happen sometime, right? It was in the New Testament. It's not in the Old Testament. I was like, this still could happen today. This is how I thought. Okay, welcome to my brain. Okay, so I, I was like, and I was on this journey with God about tithing anyway, and I started to like grudgingly give. Like, God, I've given you so much money, and what have you actually done? Like, I, I thought it was a so reap principle here, and I was, like, adding up the, like, thousands of dollars I had given him, and I'm like, I don't, I don't have that back, like, you know? I mean, seriously, this is where my heart went. It was really sad. And so I was, like, listing these things out almost every time I gave, like, God, like, when's the, when's the reaping coming for this? Like, I have given, I have done all this stuff, I have served the church my whole life, like, and my life didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to. What's going to happen? Like, when, when am I going to get? I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> but it came this, like, thing with God, and he's like, then stop tithing. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> if I do that, I'm outside of the umbrella, and the lightning strikes, I die. Like, this, <laughs> is, this is what happened. Like, I seriously was so afraid. I'm not even lying. Like, this is how I thought. This is really her thought process. No, seriously. <laughs> so, and so, and then he's like, no, I want you to pay off your school loan and then tithe. Cause I was like, I can't even pay off my student loan because blah, blah, blah you know, cause I'm giving all my money to you. You know, he's like, then pay it off. So I was like, you want me to not give money to the church? Like, I don't understand that. Right. So this is my little personal relationship with God. And so I, I did that. I stopped tithing and I like, I was like, okay, when is my life going to, like, hit the fan? Like, you know, when is it all going to get destroyed? And then, like, I didn't go to church. And I was like, oh, man, I am really going to get struck by a few lightning bolts. You know, like, I seriously was, like, scared. And, but God was like, I need you to understand that I love you no matter what. And this was my journey. And I'm not saying don't go to church, don't tithe. And don't worry, Bob, I will wrap this up in a nice pretty bow at the end. (laughs) We're going to get a little messy right now. But I was like, I didn't want to go to church because I was like, I need to know. I just need to know. Can I not go to church and still be a Christian? Can I not tithe and not get struck by lightning? I just needed to know. It was my journey. And, and so I started, and I'm at Bethel, okay? Like, if any of you know Bethel, like, I mean, I'm at the place where people, like, give up their entire lives to go to this church. And I'm, like, not going. I'm, like, I am a horrible person. So I'm like, and it took me so long. It took me two years, two years of not tithing. Like, and finally, when I paid off my student loan over a year ago, I was like, oh, I can tithe again. This is so awesome. Like, I couldn't wait to tithe again, you know? And I was like, so excited. And God's like, see, that's how I want you to be. I want you to actually choose 
Because that's what freedom is. It's a choice. And we can choose, and God's like, you have freedom. You have free will. That was the whole reason he put two trees in the garden. If he didn't, if God only put, like, the choice, like, didn't put a choice in the garden, you would just have to be good. Because that's how he made things. He made them perfect. He made them good. But he put that tree in the garden so Adam and Eve had a choice. Why? Because God wouldn't be fully loved for who he is if we didn't have a choice. So the question then is, why does he do this? Why does he give us these guidelines? Why does he give these rules, if you will? And and the thing that we have to realize is... God's motivation for us is always from a place of love. For literally for five, six years or something, I struggled with shame because at one point I felt God say, go, go share your faith with your neighbor, literally my like next door neighbor. And I was like, I freaked out. I was like, I can't do that. I'm so afraid. Like, and, and I constantly struggled. Like I missed it. I missed it. I missed God. I'm a horrible person. And all this shame came on. And, and about a few, only like a few months ago, I came to this realization as, because what I did was I said, I'm just not going to deal with that. I feel like this shame, I feel this, these negative emotions, and I just pushed them aside and say, I'm not going to deal with that. Well, I took them up a few months later and I said, okay, I'm going to deal with this. What's the truth in here? And that's, when we face those things in our life that go, my experience doesn't line up with the word of God. Mm-hmm. That's the point where we have to engage with it. Because so often through our life, we're like, there's some kind of problem. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just keep walking. But that thing continues to eat away at us. And so I began to engage with it. And I realized God never wanted us to, to move out of his love. Because you see, perfect love casts out fear. You know, we hear that all the time, but what is fear? It actually goes on to say the fear of punishment. Mm-hmm. You see, when, we, when we're motivated to do something out of the fear of punishment, we've completely missed his point. Because he came to restore us to actually be motivated to pursue him out of love. If we decide, I'm going to follow Jesus because I don't want to go to hell, we miss the whole point. Because we choose relationship with him because he loves us. And if that begins our journey of, I chose this relationship because of fear, then he's going to pursue us with all he has to show us that it's actually for your love. And that's what God started doing with me. And, and he let me go. He let me do my thing, not go to church, go to church, like just kind of live my life. And nothing bad happened. Like, I'm still here. I didn't get struck by lightning. Isn't that great? I was very excited. Um, (laughs) Nothing bad happened to me. But what it did is it gave me space to go, okay, now what do I really want? And God said to me, I was driving to school one day at Bethel in second year, and God said to me, now, you've experienced freedom on, on some levels of, like, being able to just choose and do whatever you want to do. And God let me do that. And of course, the whole time I'm still, you know, connected with God, talking to him. I'm in school. So really I'm going to church like five times a week anyway. But, um, but I was like, and he said, but how much more powerful is your freedom when you use it to choose to do what you know is right? And I, and I was like, that's an interesting thought, you know, because it's like, sometimes we go to prove that I'm free. I'm just going to do whatever I want. But then am I really free? And I started to think about that. I'm like, okay, so if I run the opposite direction because I'm free and I can, right? The Bible talks about that, like, grace covers all things, right? So there's a lot of this, like, crazy grace messages out there. You can go do whatever you want. It's all okay. There's a balance to that. Because, yes, you can. You're perfectly free to go do whatever you want. But at some point, you're starting to walk back into bondage. Not maybe bondage with God, but bondage with something else. So the Bible, again, it talks about this in Galatians 5. It says, for freedom's sake, Christ set us free. It's for freedom that he set us free. And it goes on to say, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. 
You see, he set us free so that we would move in freedom. You see, all of heaven, we're going to be continuing to grow in freedom. You know, we think like, oh, we're going to reach heaven and it's all going to be done. Like, what else are we going to do? But it's actually this continual journey of moving into greater levels of freedom. You see, God showed me when I was working through stuff. He said, I'm not done with you until you're like me. Your whole life is going to be this continual journey of becoming more and more like Christ. Mm -hmm. And we'd be done if we looked like Jesus. I don't look like Jesus. I know some of you might not look like Jesus. But that's the process that we're on. It's for freedom's sake that he set us free. And so here's what happens. You know, um, let's, take, let's take greed, okay? You know, the Bible says, you know, don't be a slave to greed. So we, we look at money and we go, okay, the love of money is the root of all evil. So what happens with that is when we start seeing money as our savior and we start going, Money is actually, I have this big problem in my life, and ah, if I only just had $10,000, if I could just win the lottery, everything would work out. Well, then the next problem arise, and we go, ah, if only I just had a little bit more money, and oh, you know what, where could I find some more money? You know, I've been doing this whole giving thing, like, maybe if I just hold that, and what happens is we begin to turn in ourselves, and we begin to be afraid, and we, we start hoarding, because the love we, we took the love of money, saying money is going to solve all my answers. You see, God didn't create, um, it's, uh, throughout the Old Testament, there's all this talk about generosity. Uh, rabbis, um, when they talked about it, they have kind of like their own set of laws and things that they've studied from Scripture. Well, the whole realm of generosity is summed up in this Hebrew word called sadaka, And what it is, is it's all the rules around generosity. And what it all boils down to, all these rabbis who study this for their whole life, what it boils down to is the point of giving isn't for what you give. It's actually for your heart. Because when we're generous we realize money's not our savior and we can engage with people. And that actually, it's about tithes and offerings. You see, we approach the tithe and we go, I just got to give 10, 10%, that's what I got to do, and it's done. But we're missing the heart of God because actually, um, in Scripture, um, what, they, what they pulled from it was saying, half of what you give is to the church. The other half is self-directed giving. Because all of a sudden, when we're at a restaurant, we decide, ah, we're going to tip a little bit more. We're blessing somebody. Or we walk down a street and we see somebody homeless. There's two things that can happen. We can look at him and go like, oh, man, like, why did he get himself in that? He's just, like, in the way and he bugs me for money all the time. Or we begin to engage with him and go, what can I do to help you? Because when we start giving money, our heart starts actually opening up to the people around us. So when it says, it's for freedom's sake that he set you free, so don't be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, we can look at just that one and begin to see that actually the more powerful choice is generosity. Because generosity breeds more freedom. Yeah, so on my journey, I just, I was, I dialogued with God a ton through it, and and my pastors and people around me, and and I was able to go through this kind of mess in my heart and figure out what I wanted. And I realized I go to church because it's family. I go to church because that's where I can be in community. And, and there's something about God in community. Like, you can find God on your own, totally. You can be a hermit and still be a Christian, but there's something so powerful when you get together with a group of people like this. You can experience God in a way that you can't by yourself. Because you see God in everybody around you. Bob holds a different aspect of God than I do. Sibile, same thing. Lisa, Bailey, same thing. They hold these... They, God is like a diamond. You, you shift it just a little bit. You see a different facet of who he is. And every single one of you holds a different facet of God. So when we all come together, 
It is so powerful. And we get to see God in a different light. We get to experience him together. And not only that, we get to go through stuff as a family. Hard stuff, good stuff, all of it. And it's all messy and it's awesome. If any of you have ever had a child, it is disgusting. The whole birth process, like, they were like, do you want a mirror? I'm like, no, I don't want a mirror to see my child being born. That's disgusting. Like, it is a mess. I'm like, why would you ask me that? Like, that is such a weird question. Anyway, whatever. Some people like it. Whatever. I, you know, the whole birth process is crazy, messy, painful. I don't ever want to do it again. Like, but you get this cute little thing out of it, you, you know. Usually, most of them are cute, you know. No. Uh, <laughs> but the thing about God is he, he wants you to be free. He doesn't want you to come to church because you feel obligated to come to church. He'd actually rather you not come. That's what I learned. Like, he's like, why are you going if you hate it so much? Like, and you don't actually, I don't actually get to meet you there because you're just mad. You know, like, or why are you tithing when you actually, like, have this list against me of everything I haven't paid you back? I was like, you know, it's actually 10, 30, 60, you know, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> I'm like, you owe me. No. So, like, seriously, that's how I was, though. And God's like, you got to figure this out because I don't want you to give if the list just keeps growing of everything I owe you. And sometimes we can hold God like that, like, like almost like a selfish kid. Like, you owe me this, like this entitlement thing that really plagues my generation. <laughs> Like, seriously, I struggled with that, with God. I don't struggle with it with people a lot. Like, I don't think people owe me anything, but I'm like, God, you owe me a lot because I've had a really crappy life, you know? Like, and I got like that with him, and it was not fun. It wasn't a fun season to go through, but now I can go like, oh, I just love going to church and being with people. You know, Bethel is so big, you go there, and, like, you're sitting next to someone from Australia, Russia, China. Like, I'm like... I come here and I love it because I know everybody, you know, I go there and I'm like, who am I, what country am I sitting next to today, you know, and that can get a little hard to be honest because you don't have this family, like sometimes small churches are like I prefer because you get family and there you have to try really, really hard to get it because people visit every weekend, it's crazy. So anyway, I'm off point, but freedom, freedom is there for you to learn and to, and to experience God and experiment in your life with God and make mistakes. Because he's not afraid of it. No. You, you know, that's, that's the thing is he's actually really big, you know, and he can handle it. He can handle the questions. He can handle the experimentations. He's okay with your process. Yeah. And what happens is we come into church and we hear great people stand up on the stage and say, this is what is good for your life, and we hear judgment. And, but their heart is to say, this is what's beneficial for you. And, but the thing is, it's okay for you in your process. You know, actually, I was, I was reading this morning in, um, in Acts, and this is when the Gentiles are starting to come into the church. And uh, they wrote a letter saying, we don't want to burden the Gentiles with rules. Have them only abstain from sexual immorality, food sacrificed to, anim- uh, to idols, and, and strangled animals in blood. And, and what it was was saying, we don't want to burden them with these list of rules because these list of rules are going to keep them from relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And one thing I want to highlight is when you're going on this journey, it's important to stay connected. Yeah. Because throughout everything, throughout the process Holly's sharing is she's still communicating with God. And, and a lot of times when we say, fine, I'm out of here, woohoo! Um, what happens is we get the story of, of the lost son in Luke 15. He goes out, he spends his inheritance, he parties, uh, he has a good time. And he finds himself in a pig pen just wanting to eat what the pigs are eating. That's really gross. We, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> God is okay with our process so much. We hear that and we go, let's make a mess of our life. 
And, but, and we hear that and we go like, oh, see, there's shame. Shame is anything that'll, that'll cause you to hide. And, and in Romans 8, it says, there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Shame is actually the thing that's keeping you from your breakthrough. And so what happened is he realized, oh, I'm going to go back. And God's always there with open arms. Waiting. Waiting. And we have that process of, of we can go through that and we can experience life. And that's okay. He's totally fine with that. And, but what happens is, because he's fine with mess. I mean, like, like she was saying about birth, they were like, hey, you want to see the baby come out? I was like, no, no, I don't. I'm good. But we think of we think of order and we think this nice little grid. You know where a nice little grid's found? Cemetery. Graveyards all in a row. And that's what we think of order, cleanliness. And God's saying, life is messy. And life comes out of mess. And and the the opportunity that we have is we can stay connected. When I, uh, when I was in college, I um, had this professor, and he kind of just, you know those professors that they just play devil's advocate? They just want to mess with you. Oh, but they know so much more that you're just like, I don't know how to engage with this. <laughs> Something happened because I had to move from principle to relationship. Yeah. I used to read my Bible all the time. I prayed hours a day, and, and I'm taking this course, and this guy is ruining my concept of the Bible. And, and he's just he's just messing with my brain. And and what happened was I was stopping in the Bible. I was like, I don't know how to read this without hearing shame, without hearing rules. I, I've missed the heart of God, and I can't find it here. I stopped reading the Bible. I stopped praying for hours because I was missing something. But what I did was I began to just rest. I, I read a I read a Christian book, and I just I still engaged with God, but I did it from this place of rest, of not having to do all these rules and all this stuff. But I just said, okay, I'm going to let you heal me. And what formed out of that was I started a real relationship. And I believe it's in Matthew. I'm not sure if you're my Bible scholar. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I'll just talk. You put the scripture to it. No. Um, there, God talks, or Jesus talks about, I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. That's John. Thank you. Yeah. John. John 15. See, I knew he'd know it. Yeah. Okay. I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. There is a graduation that happens as we mature as Christians. And it says, because slaves don't know what their master is doing. Friends do. Friends know what their friends are doing. Friends talk to each other. Friends tell each other everything. Masters don't tell their slaves everything. Bosses don't tell their employees everything. Jesus is like, I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. And that is, a, that is a difference in a relationship with God. Is like I was operating out of a slave mentality. I do this. You do this for me. We have a contractual agreement. And God will do that. He'll do that with you for a while. But he loves you too much to let you stay that way, which is why he's okay with mess. Because he's like, I don't want you to be my slave. That's like the lowest part of maturity in relationship with me. I don't want you to stay that way. This is not like me handing you down this list of rules and you go work out your life. You know, like that's not what he, he's like. Come up and eat at my table. Come talk to me over the dinner table about what's going on with you. And sometimes we're so afraid to do that because we have a fear-based relationship. Slaves are afraid of masters. They are. They're afraid. They're afraid to do something wrong. They're afraid that the, the hammer is going to drop. And that is the relationship I have with God most of my life. It's just like, uh, if I don't do this, he's going to punish me. Or if I say this, like, I'm going to get in trouble. Or if I mess up, like, I'm going to get kicked out of the church or whatever. Like, I'm going to hell. And, and God's like, that I think really saddens God's heart when we think of him like that. Because he's like, I don't call you a slave. I call you my friend. He said that to them right before he went on the cross. And next week's Easter. And, and what does Easter represent? We talk about salvation, and there's always altar calls for salvation at Easter. 
which is awesome. But he didn't just die to forgive your sins. He died for that, and if that's all he did, that would have been enough. But he's more than enough God. He's an extravagant God. He didn't just die so that you could be brought into holiness with him again. He died so that you could be healed emotionally and physically. He died so that you could be best friends with him. He died so that there wouldn't be a veil or a lens of fear between you and him anymore. He died so that you could sit at his dinner table once again. So when we, when we talk about this idea where we're afraid of God, what that is, the Bible talks about, that's the orphan spirit. The orphan spirit says, I don't have a good father. I don't know that he's good and he has good things for me. In fact, I don't think it will be good unless I do something. But a good father says, you don't have to do anything. I'll do it for you. And it says that we moved from orphans to a spirit of adoption. And so what I want us to, to begin to, to pray for, if that's something that, that you've been afraid of God, because of what he might do. Or you've been feeling burdened by rules that have been put on you. We want to give you an opportunity to be free of that. Because the spirit of adoption is among us. And if that's you, I'm just going to invite you to stand up. And we're going to pray for you to experience the spirit of adoption. Jesus, we thank you that you came to give us life abundantly. You came to restore us in relationship. And not just relationship with you, but relationship with everyone around us. And Holy Spirit, I welcome you into the room right now for the spirit of adoption. See, it says in Isaiah that instead of shame, he gives us a double portion. Instead of the shame that's been keeping us from relationship with God, he gives us a double portion of his love. Right now, receive that. Yeah, and I just, on behalf of leaders, parents, whatever, I just want to apologize to you for putting shame on you for any reason. For for making you feel like you had to be perfect. For making you feel like you weren't good enough for who you were, for who you are. You see, God loves everything about you. Good, bad, all of it. He's like, I'll take the whole package. He doesn't say, I'll take all the good parts, but cut out all the bad parts. He's like, actually, I'll take the whole thing. There's a, there's a type of pottery in Japan that when it cracks, they fill the cracks with gold. And it's worth so much more. People pay a lot of money for that kind of pottery. Because there's beauty in the cracks. There's value in the cracks. Josh is a potter, and when, whenever he does pottery shows, he has some pots that he cracks around the edges. And everyone goes, I love the cracks. I love the broken edges. They're like, it's just, it's not perfect. And that's what I love about it. And that is the heart of God for you. He loves the cracks. And he's going to fill those cracks with gold. Not so you can hide the cracks, but actually so they can be put on display. 
Because when you look at those Japanese pottery bowls and you see it, you see the gold. That's what your eyes are drawn to. You see the gold. You see the cracks. He's like, I don't want you to hide it. Shame hides that. I call it beautiful. And on the other side, there, there's some of you that are saying, I know that this is good but I'm struggling to see the fruit of it. And I was reading in Galatians 6 this morning, and I want to encourage you with this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up. Don't give up. See, sometimes you can come to church and you can be weary and you can sit there and go, I've heard this message before. I keep tithing. I do all this stuff. And sometimes what you need is to sit next to someone who's on fire. If you put a match that's not lit next to a match that's lit, what happens? It gets lit on fire. Some of you just need to come sit by Lisa. Have you ever seen someone who just got a ton of freedom, is on fire for God, and that's all they can talk about? That's Lisa right now. I told Josh, I was like, I want her to live with us so bad because I need that fire again. I think it's more for me than for her. Like, I'm like, I need that fire again. I need that passion. Remember, I I told him a couple weeks ago, remember when we came to first year? Remember how we were rolling around on the floor with Holy Spirit? I don't do that anymore. I don't have worship nights anymore. I remember Don came to stay at our house. He's like, you want to go over to Wendy's and worship? I'm like, nah. He's like, you know, you wouldn't have said that a year ago. And that was kind of when I was in my little freedom journey. But I'm like, God, it would be great to have Lisa live with us because we'll get that fire back. Sometimes you just need to get around another match. Because sometimes matches go out and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like, ah, I need that spark back. You know, that's, that's why we meet. That's why we meet every week. It's not because it's convenient. It's not because it's, yeah, you might have other things to do. But I was talking with a lady on Friday, and, and, and I told her, you can try to do the things that you need to do in your life, or you can go to the place that actually sets you on fire, that gives you the ability to actually operate in your life. That's what this place is. It's a fueling place to go, I can now go forth and do the good works that the Lord has for me. I can manage my home. I can manage my finances. I can make my business prosper because my inner world is filled up. We meet together not for rules, not for for what I what needs to still happen. We meet together because it's a place of encouragement. It's a place of love. Because love is what's going to transform our life. So can you all just stand for a second? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for anyone here that wants to be lit. To be lit, like Brandon said. To be lit. (laughs) (laughs) I I literally thought he was talking about it being lighted up. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Anyone who wants to be lit back on fire. The Christian life is amazing. People think it's no fun. It's actually a ton of fun. It's actually a ton of fun. So you don't have the crazy hangover, you know? Like, you get you get to experience God, and you get to get life, and life more abundantly with Him. And if you just want to be lit on fire, relit, or lit for the first time, I don't care. Just raise your hand, and we're just going to pray for you. I'm raising my hand. I want to be lit on fire again. Yeah. I the Holy say, Spirit, we say yeah. come. Yeah. Come on. 
We say, come with your fire, Lord. We say, let your fire fall. Yeah, come on. May we feel the burning of your presence, God. The touch of your hand upon us. Yeah, God, light us on fire. Give us that that permission. I just I, I just give you permission to be you, fully you. Whatever that looks like. If if you're making a mess, be fully you and God's going to pursue you. He will never stop pursuing you till you are lit on fire. He loves you too much to let you stay where you're at. Too much. And you are free to be you. You are free to shine with your piece of who you are and who God is through you. You are free to be you, whatever that looks like. God doesn't care where you are in your journey. He just wants to be with you. And you know, it's funny. You'll look back and you'll see him. I was talking to Lisa about this. You'll see him through your journey. You may not feel him there right now, but someday you'll look back and you'll see that thread. I had hard things happen in my life, but God was never away from me. And he says that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. See, we don't enter, we enter relationships. And if people, and if it gets hard, sometimes we walk away, but God will never do that to you. We may do horrible things to God. We may mess up everything and we think we're too far gone and God's like, uh-uh, I'm right here. Turn around. Look, I'm right here. I'm lighting you on fire again. He's lighting each of you on fire again today. You're good enough. You're worthy. You're amazing. You are adopted. You are a child of God. See, the beautiful thing about adoption is he chose you. You didn't just happen to him. He chose you. stop pursuing us. That you are set on freedom for our life. And you'll do whatever it takes to bring that to us. We cast out fear right now and say, love, come in. just says come come into the light and and with what you shared you know god wants us to come into the light not that he can say oh that's where you've been i knew all about that no he says come into the light so i can put a band-aid on it so i can heal that part so 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 that that dark side can heal come into the light because i am in the light when he's the father, he wants us in the prosperity. He wants us in the blessings. He wants us. That's why we come into the light. When we hold back in shame, we, we, we are not free. 
We think we have to hold things back because we are ashamed of them. But God says, I already know. You can't fool me. I already know and I love you. I love you with all that. So come into the light. Let me touch this. Let me heal this. Let me show you better. Let me show you true freedom. Let us walk this out together. So in this message from you guys, I hear that God says, come walk with me in that freedom that I prepared for you. Come and be free. Share somebody. Share with somebody where you've been. Share with somebody that pain of that sin. Because the blood of Christ has already redeemed you and washed you. So come on into the light. Let that shame go and say, yes, that's where I've been. That's why I needed Jesus. That's why he came, just to free me from this darkness, that lie, that deception, that addiction. He is the one. And I'm walking in the light. As imperfect as I am, I get to walk in the light with my Jesus. I get to not hold back. He will help me. He will see me. He he knows me and he has a perfect plan. And I will trust him more than I trust my emotions. I trust him more than I trust my needs for addiction or connection. I trust him more that he will bring into my life what is good and perfect. That's why he called you into his light. He is so good. And that was an awesome, awesome message. Thank you, guys. You truly have to freedom. And we need that in this house because we all need it. And we're still in that journey, right, of discovering it more and more. But be encouraged to walk into the light and unashamed. So, Amen. Come on, give Josh and Holly a big hand. Thank you, guys. That was great. I just like it because it's just real, you know. And uh, sharing from your heart and with your, your journey. You've come, you guys come a long way. And Holly, you've come, since we've known you, you've come so far. And we're, we're proud of who you've become and your family, your relationship, your child. And God's got amazing things for you. Let's all have a seat. We're going to take a special offering. Let's be generous. Every 100% that comes in today will go towards them. 